0: Welcome to a brand new edition of Yawns. I'm Omar Moore. In the green, the rub of the green that went to Manchester City. They crushed Watford 5-1 at the Etihad. Not the prettiest sight for... Your Hornets. On this episode, a look back at the game between Manchester City and Watford and a look at the future of Watford Football Club in the short term. That's coming up on this brand new edition of. Y-O-O. Welcome back to Yawns. I'm Omar Moore. Emerald green just isn't mean. Those green shirts of Watford at the Etihad struck an odd contrast with the pitch and with the sky blue shirts of Manchester City. It all looked like one green haze. A green haze that eclipsed and epitomized Watford on their day at the Etihad. Not sharp, not sound, and ultimately not fit for purpose on the pitch, as City brushed them away. Five goals to one was the final score. And it was in keeping with the typical City-Watford encounter, an encounter that usually sees City score at least three goals in every game that they've played against Watford in the Premier League. In fact, one of the rare exceptions to that was the game that was played At Manchester City, I believe in 2015, when Kike was first at the helm in his first go-around, where City beat Watford 2-0 at the Etihad. There was a game in the Premier League at Vicarage Road, I think it might have been that same season, when Watford had taken the lead against Manchester City, only to lose the game by a score of two goals to one at the Vic. Those are the two games, and I believe both of them were under Kike. Those two games are the only two games where City failed to score more uh, than two goals. Other than that, City have dominated all of these games, winning all of them in the Premier League, at least in the last two iterations of Watford's stay in the Premier League. This stay, of course, is going to be a lot shorter than the previous one that lasted five seasons. Watford just were not up to it in the game at the Etihad. They didn't have the fight. They didn't have the spirit. And the only reason why Watford even scored a goal in this game is because, I think, Pep Guardiola's six changes to his starting lineup had everything to do with that. When you look back at this game, Manchester City rested six of their players in anticipation of Tuesday's Champions League contest at the Etihad against Real Madrid. And because Watford are where they are in the Premier League, and with City chasing another Premier League title, and the gulf in quality between both City and Watford, it was inevitable that Pep Guardiola would not field his strongest side. And as I always talk about this, you know, the B team, playfully say the B team of City, coasted in this game. They coasted. Can you consider among the six changes? in that starting lineup, four of their very best players, Ilkay Gundawan, Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden, and Riyad Mahrez, all of them were not in the starting lineup, not one of them. Now, Ilkay Gundawan and Riyad Mahrez came on in the second half of the game, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But what you saw in this game was a Manchester City side that strolled And never got out of second gear in the game. And had enough to comfortably defeat Watford. In fact, 5-1. Goodness gracious me, they should have had a lot more than 5. But then again, Watford should have had a lot more than 1. And a key point in this contest was in the first half, you had the configurations of both teams with Watford really playing what really looked like a 4-4-2. Both in defense and in attack on the counter. And on one of those rare counters that Watford had in the first half, Emmanuel Dennis had the ball on a breakaway. He was one-on-one of a defender, and he had a Watford runner running to his left. And instead of putting that quick pass in first time to that Watford man, who would have slotted home to make the score 1-1 at that point after a third-minute goal, fourth-minute goal from Jesus, that was the start of things to come from him. Instead of passing that ball first time over to the Watford man on his left for what would have been a tap-in and a 1-1 scoreline, Dennis continued to go forward and hold on to the ball until Zinchenko, the City defender, dispossessed him. City were very good at doing that. And the amount of times in the game that Emmanuel Dennis lost the ball for Watford It was at least a dozen times on the pitch. Dennis continues to be his own worst enemy and a train wreck of a nightmare for Watford. He is an albatross that has absolutely held this side down. He personifies everything that is toxic with this team and quite frankly, beyond the team and beyond the pitch. And he is really an albatross. Do not let those 10 goals fool you. Do not let the assist that he would get in this match Against Manchester City fool you. Because had Emmanuel Dennis felt inclined to be less selfish in the game against City. Had he decided to pass the ball first time. You might have had a very interesting contest at the Etihad. But such as it was. With Dennis being dispossessed. We'll never know now. But that would have been 1-1. Had that pass been made. Edison would not have saved that tap-in. It would have been 1-1. And then we would have had a different contest. But instead, Dennis is dispossessed. City go down the other end within a few minutes and make it 2-0. Jesus' second goal. And that was pretty much that at 2-0. But Dennis decided to do the right thing and put the ball in the path of Hassani Kamara. And Kamara... Made no mistake, first time shot, bottom right-hand corner of the net, past Edison, it was 2-1. And at that point, it was an intriguing game. But that didn't last long because a defensive mistake, and the defensive mistakes are really what have strangled Watford throughout this entire season, and are the reason why they have lost 23 games this season in the Premier League, more than any other team in the division. Tom Cleverley, once again, who's in the starting lineup turning very generous gift giver as he was against Arsenal earlier in the season, just a couple of, well, well a few weeks back, back in March, when he did the very same thing in the very roughly same area of the pitch in front of his own goal, which was to kick the ball instead of clearing it into the stands. He decided to kick the ball upfield. It went as far as a Manchester City player who then passed the ball to an open wa- Rodri. No defensive close downs, no tracking of Rodri. And Rodri just slammed the ball home from about 25 yards out. It was an exquisite finish. It was the best goal of the five that City scored. But again, even that goal came from a a defensive mistake. Cleverly is really not doing himself any favours. And sadly for him, as, as decent a human being as he is, when it comes to pitch play, he is not up for these games anymore in the Premier League at least. I think he'd be solid in the championship but he is not Premier League level anymore and it's painful to say it but it's true and he's a very good person, Tom Cleverley but decency does not win your football matches. Careful passing, precision, sense and team play do and because Watford lacked all of those things in this game and in every game they've played bar the six that they have won this season. They will be heading to the championship. Rodri's goal made it 3-1, and Watford blew the opportunity to put themselves in the game. They needed to consolidate on the 2-1 deficit. They tried so hard to get to 2-1, and I think really what happened there, they really missed an opportunity in those five to ten minutes after Camera scored the goal. And this is the thing that I've noticed about Watford over the last goodness knows how long. It's not really that difficult to notice, but it's something I've noticed, is that the passage of play after they've scored goals is poor. Watford sit back. Watford do not enforce themselves and impose themselves on the game after they've scored. They immediately drop back. They've done this all season long. And instead of those 10-minute periods of games where they can build on what they've just done by scoring. They sit back. Happened against Brentford the previous week. They got the goal. Really fortunate one through VAR. Because Saar was offside. And instead of building upon that. They sat back. And they didn't do enough in those 10-15 to 15 minutes at the Vic last week. And Brentford came on to them. And that is going to happen in a game. But Watford completely played their part in capitulating. And allowing Brentford to continue to come on to them. And of course... They scrambled in vain for a game winner and you know what happened in the 95th minute of the game against Brentford the previous week. Again, the failure to, to consolidate on scoring the goal for Watford has been a critical component of why they have lost so many games this season. There are many components, but that is one of them. That is one of the critical components of why they lose these games. You are most vulnerable after you score a goal. And Watford continued to yield to that axiom. And because they failed to capitalize in those 10 to 15 minutes after Camera scored in that first half, those critical minutes in games mean everything, especially in the Premier League and especially against a top-quality, top-class outfit like Manchester City. They will not give you too many chances. And by the way, City... Were especially open today because of the six changes that Pep made. And naturally, when you make six changes in a game, in your starting lineup, you are going to be more open. Simply because the players that you're putting in are not as seasoned or rather they are not as accustomed to playing these games week in, week out. Communication issues can ensue. And there are going to be spaces that are going to be left regardless of the positioning of the players. It was 3-1 at the time. And that was really what finished Watford off that sublime finish by Rodri. And there was whatever was said in the dressing room at halftime did not help because Roy Hodgson did not make substitutions at halftime in a game where you're down 3-1 against the champions. Roy Hodgson did not want to try anything new. And he waited a full 15 plus minutes into the second half and after it was 4-1, then to start making changes. And by the way, Ben Foster, horrible mistake, horrible penalty takedown in the second half, just 14 seconds in. I would think that most Watford fans weren't back in their seats yet before that goal was conceded through the penalty, through that very sloppy, sloppy play by Ben Foster. But really, you're only as good as your defense. And if your back four are not clicking, as this Watford back four now all of a sudden has not been doing these last three weeks especially. And I know that the Watford defense has been appalling in general this season. Under Roy, it began to pick up and improve. But now we've seen a return to the bad habits. We've seen that now. We've seen that in three consecutive games, these defensive mistakes. And look, the fact is Watford aren't good enough. They aren't good enough for this league. I think every Watford fan would admit that. The personnel that Watford have on the pitch are not good enough. Subsequent seasons, they become weaker and weaker and weaker in terms of the Premier League. The Premier League team the last time around was stronger than this and they still went down. And when Watford were 4-1 down in that, Second half, it was over. It was well and truly over at halftime. And I don't know why Roy, Roy Hodgson waited to make a sub in the 61st or so minute, whatever it was. I don't know. And the substitutions to me were throw-in-the-towel substitutions. I think he should have put on someone, and I know João Pedro came on, but you need to put on people who are going to now start to give the fans something to think about. For next season. Now I don't think Shaq Ford was in the in the uh, squad this time around. But he should have been. Like he was against Brentford. And it's in these times where you need to show everybody. What your youth can do. Now Watford in this game were well and truly done and dusted. And the fifth goal went in and it was over. There could have been a sixth. Ben Foster had to make a couple of big saves. To keep it from being 6-1. But when all was said and done. Watford really did not do themselves any favors, and Jao Pedro had a golden opportunity in the game. I think it was somewhere in the 68th minute or something like that, maybe in the 70 some odd minute, where he had a header. And he should have put that in the back of the net, an absolute sitter, but he did not convert. It should have been point blank range, and he missed it the other side of the post. And that was that for Watford, and that was your ball game. City winning it by a score of five goals to one, a convincing performance. In the second half from City when they started to put on people the likes of Gundogan and Mahrez. And then that was really the real City that you saw. But generally speaking, City did not have to come out of second gear today um, in this game. They didn't have to. And because they didn't have to come out of second gear, it was awfully easy for them. And of course, you're playing a world-class outfit like this. I never expected Watford to win this game. But what I did expect was some fight. I did expect that even on the road where Watford had been far better than they have been at the Vic, that Watford would play as audaciously and as sensibly as they did for almost the whole game at Anfield against Liverpool. I expected that from Watford in the game that they played at the Etihad, but it was not to be that way. And as a result, Watford go down to a humiliating defeat at the Etihad by a score of five goals to one. It was great to see uh, Hassani Kamara get his goal. He's been a fan favorite. He has communicated to the fans very well. He has been the kind of player that I would like to see stick around at Watford. But I'm not sure that he's going to do that. I don't know how much of a committed soul he is to the Watford cause. He's obviously very committed this season. He has been... I would say this half of the season, from the time he's walked through the door, Watford's best player. From the time he walked in 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 mid-January, early January, he has been the best Watford player. Now, I know that there are some Watford fans who say, well, that's not saying very much. But I think it is saying something. That someone who's just come in to the team in January of 2022 is so much better than the the rest of the players who are already there and who have been there. Watford will brush this one off, I'm sure. And then they will look towards the game at the Vic. They're third at the Vic in the last three or four weeks. And they take on Burnley this coming Saturday on April the 30th at the Vic. That one will be the one, of course, the last one really, where they play a relegation uh, opponent. Burnley are still in the bottom three. And if Watford were to win the game against Burnley at the Vic this coming Saturday, at least it would put them a little bit closer to the dotted line. But they are still far away from Everton. And even though Everton have some difficult games coming up, it really does not bode well for Watford. And as far as I'm concerned, they are down. It's not confirmed yet mathematically, but it really will be over in a matter of weeks, sadly, to see this outfit plunging back down into the, pre- into the championship just less than 12 months, really 12 months after they came up. Next on Ewan's, I'm going to be talking a bit more about that and the future of Watford FC in the short term. Welcome back to Yawns. Emerald green just isn't mean. By the way, I should say that you can follow Uorn's WFC on Twitter, at Uorn's WFC. You can also subscribe to the Uorn's WFC YouTube channel. For news and views and opinions and occasional match reports on Watford, written by yours truly, please visit uornswfc.wordpress.com. And by the way, a brand new Watford Supporters Collective, something that I have started. You can visit Twitter at W.S. as in Sam C. Hornets. That's W.S.C. Hornets on Twitter. So if you go to Twitter, follow W.S.C. Hornets. It's the Watford Supporters Collective. Now, this is for Watford fans who really do want to see change at this club and want a different direction for the club. And in the next few days and weeks there'll be lots more from the Watford Supporters Collective on a number of things that I think all Watford fans should be aware of and should know as well as the board I think would like to I think hear some of the ideas that are coming up and that will come from the collective and from yours truly. In terms of Watford and how we can make this club better. Which is really what I want to talk about a little bit here. In this particular portion. This last segment of this particular episode. The future of Watford FC in the short term. Now we know that this season is over. I think 99.999% of the Watford fan base and supporter base. Would now say that Watford will be in the championship next season. I think the manager of the club, the team, knows it. I think he knows it, for sure. I think the executives at Watford know it as well. And I do think that the players know it as well, despite what they may say on Twitter after every game or on the Monday after every game. But I think now what is true is that Watford FC now needs a shake-up. It needs a shake-up not only on the pitch, but it needs a shake-up upstairs in the front office as well. And for quite some time, I've believed that Luther Blissett should be welcomed back into the club and involved with the club on a very concrete and substantive level. And that's what I think should happen. I've been very vocal about it. I'm not the only Watford fan who has been. But I can tell you that I have made it very clear. Certainly, if you go to the Twitter handle WSC Hornets, you will see the tweet that I put up there that talks about Luther Blissett and talks about the role that I think Luther Blissett should be pe- playing. And I think that whatever's been going on over the years between the club and Luther Blissett, I don't know what it is, but I think the hatchet should be buried. And uh, the the sides should talk and sit down, and uh, you should welcome Luther Blissett back in this club. He really should have some decision-making power at Watford Football Club. I really think that would be beneficial to the club and to the town of Watford and to the Watford fan base at large. So that's one thing I want to say, and I've talked about this as well in a video. I've talked about this quite extensively in a video that is now on the Yuan's WFC YouTube channel. That was the 10-minute take video on the Manchester City win over Watford, where I talk also about Luther Blissett and the board. So that's one thing I think needs to happen. There needs to be a shake-up in the front office, and a lot of Watford fans have said Scott Duxbury's time is up at this club, and I actually think he's going to be leaving the club. Yeah, listen, there have to be... People that have to be held accountable. And I have for a long time laid off on Scott Duxbury. I've been very, very lay, lay low on him. But I do think he has made a number of decisions. It's undisputed. He's made so many decisions that have not worked. Or at least some of his statements have not turned into the kinds of things he said that they would. There are things at the club that aren't going right. They're not being run the right way. There's lots of Watford fans that have voiced that publicly and very clearly. I am also one of them. And I do think now that Scott Duxbury's got to consider his position. It is that simple. I I don't know how else to put it, but that is as clearly as I can put it. Some people would go even further than that, and more explicit than that. But I do think now that Scott Duxbury is the elephant in the room now. And the owner's not going to be fired. I don't think Gino's going anywhere people who are calling for him to go, I I think it's a pipe dream that that's going to happen. I think that some of the tactics from Gino need to go, the hiring and firing of managers, that needs to stop. And what we need to do, since I'm talking now about the future of Watford FC in the short term, is to start looking long-term at a managerial appointment who is going to be around for three or four seasons. I think that the Watford board recently put out a communication suggesting that they were going to, Go that way, and especially suggesting that the youth must get and will get extended time. Now, that's my next part of this portion of this episode. I think the youth must be given a lot more of a chance. And I've talked about this before, over and over again. You've got to bet in the academy players into this first team. You have to make a pipeline and a beeline From the academy into the first team. And you've got to keep that pipeline pumping and open. So that the academy players realize that it's not going to be a dead end for them. And that they're not going to be sold off or shipped off to somewhere. They need to be cultivated. They need to be put in this Watford first team. Even if it means they're sitting on the bench for a few months. Over the last few years. Watford have become stodgy and stale and predictable on the pitch and the personnel have become weaker, less committed, less connected to Watford, less connected to the Watford fan base. You want to bring the youngsters in. They have energy, they have passion, they have exuberance and they are capable of learning and becoming leaders. Xiao Pedro is already a leader on this Watford team. He showed a lot of that last season in the championship, and he's shown quite a bit of it this season in this very adverse season that Watford are going through. I'll never forget that game. I don't know which one it was. It might have been against Crystal Palace. It might have been against Norwich, whatever game it was in this abominable season. And Xiao Pedro was shouting at Josh King. Josh King's a veteran footballer. And there was Jean-Pedro all 19 years of him. Or however old he is now. And it's not very old. Being a leader and shouting at Josh King on the pitch. Now look, some I know some Watford fans aren't a fan of that. I am a fan of it. Because that means this guy is committed. He wants it. He wants the ball. And he has the confidence. Even though he didn't get the chance executed at the had that he desperately should have put in. He wants the ball. Give it to him. He's young. He's going to make mistakes. But Watford have to now make this team. A team that you build around Jar Pedro. And that's where the youth is. Build this team around Jar Pedro. I know that the communication came out from the board uh, in the last few days. Saying that they intended to make Dan Gosling and Urai Kuchka and... Tom Cleverley, the focal point of uh, the midfield for next season or thereabouts. And the thing is, they're all over 30. Cleverley is over 30, Kuchka is over 30, and I believe Dan Gosling is over 30 as well. These are, let's be quite honest here, players who are going the other side of their careers now. You cannot have this as your foundation for next season. I mean, look, you do need a veteran around to... Steer the ship. But do you need all three of those players at Watford? I don't think so. That's my opinion. I don't think you need all three of those players. And certainly not in your midfield for next season in the championship. You need one of those players, if any. And I I don't even know if if you do put those guys in. Gosling I'd probably hold on to. The other two I wouldn't. Now, Kushka has played better over the last few weeks. And he was injured in the game against City. Well, he didn't even play that game. Well, There's no chance. And I think the reason why you've got that edict coming out from the board in the communications is because I think that Gino is probably the one making that decision. And I think it's a preemptive strike against any or not against, but a preemptive salvo to any would be incoming Watford manager, Diego Martinez. That this is the hand that you're going to have to deal from. This is the deck of cards you're going to have to deal from. You're going to have to play these players. And these are the players you are going to be working with. And here are the three of them that you will be betting into this team in your selections. And, you know, that happens. That, there's been no secret of that, that the owner has, I'm sure, behind the scenes said <clears throat> excuse me, to various Watford managers that these are the people that you need to be putting in your team. Because, you know, the manager does not have, or the head coaches don't have the degree of control over this team. They just don't. They don't. You bet. You better believe the owner does. And I think now what the ownership has to do, what the board has to do, is to get out of its own way. And allow the youth to come into this team. Allow for that pipeline that I mentioned earlier to be fluid, open, transparent. Allow those youth players, of course, if they are good enough, to get into the team. And even if they're not the kinds of players that are going to be excellent right away, take them in under your wing. Take them in under your wing. Develop them in the academy and then develop them into the first team. There's a lot of youth. And we need managers in who are going to play the youth. And Diego Martinez would be your number one pick at this point. He obviously is the number one pick of the vast majority of the Watford fan base. He obviously is someone who has a pedigree. Now, he's never managed in England before. But there is an article that appeared in The Guardian a year or two ago. Maybe back in 2019, in fact. Whenever it was. That... Featured, It was featuring an interview that Sid Lowe, the writer and uh, broadcaster, who does a lot of Spanish football, does Sid Lowe. And he wrote in The Guardian and he wrote up an interview that he did with Diego Martinez. And Diego Martinez made it very clear that he studied the English Championship and the English Premier League. And he said he loves what he sees. He loves them. I mean, that is a manager that you've got to bring to Vicarage Road. I don't care what it takes to bring Diego Martinez in. Bring him in. The guy also loves playing the youth. That is your manager. You need to build around him. You need to build around Ja Pedro and Cucho whenever he returns, which will be a few months from now. But you need to bring Diego Martinez in. He'll be a perfect fit. And I think just like you brought in Kiko, excuse me, Kike. <laughs> There's Kike, Cucho, and Kuchka. <laughs> but just when you brought in Kike, who didn't have any experience in the Premier League. Look what he did when he got Watford into the Premier League. I mean, well, he didn't get them in. Slavisa Djokanovic did. And Watford actually cut ways, cut parted ways. And I know there's the contract issue and all the rest that went back and forth. But Watford parted ways of Slavisa. And they brought in Kike. Kike kept him up. Now, this time when Watford came up from the Championship to the Premier League They continued with The man that we've almost forgotten Cisco. Continued with him Some people liked that move a lot Some people didn't In hindsight a lot of people didn't And then they got rid of him after 7 games Well look That model is over now I think the ownership and the board realises now That you can't keep hiring and firing managers After 6 or 7 games You either have to stick with the manager or don't hire that manager at all and stop chopping and changing like this. It doesn't do much for the chemistry of the team, the morale of the dressing room and the morale of these players overall or the Watford fan base to keep chopping and changing managers. That whole hiring and firing, the hiring and sacking, that has got to go now. It worked before, but that model is an idea whose time has both come and gone. And the future of Watford Football Club now, in the the short term, on the pitch at least, in this instance, has to be bringing in a manager who is going to be here for three or four seasons, who is going to drill and bed in to these players the kinds of things that they need to be winners, to be battlers, and not bottlers. There must be a heavy marker laid down about the ethos of Watford And the board has also to live up to it as well. And off the pitch, the board has to start being the Watford football club that we all love. Now look, we all love this football club. I love this club. You love this club. This is the Watford we love. But we don't love how it's being run. And that is the issue that we have. So there need to be changes upstairs there need to be changes on the pitch. There need to be changes in the managerial situation. And the recruiting is one of the biggest issues of all. There's no question that the technical director, the current technical, technical director, Cristiano Giaretta, I think he's got to be looking over his shoulder at his job too. I think he's got to consider his position. He need a brand new set of vision here and a brand new set of eyes. You need more diverse voices in the boardroom. It's one of the reasons why I think Luther should be in the boardroom. You need diverse faces and voices and ideas. Ideas rule the world and we need more people with different experiences in that boardroom who are connected to Watford Football Club, like Luther Blissett, the greatest ever Watford footballer and living legend and statesman. He has to be a part of the plans inside that boardroom, inside the power hierarchy. Luther Blissett needs a place there. This is what they do all over the world in sports. Players who have played and exhibited excellent service and dedication, not just to Watford Football Club in this distance, but the town of Watford and the people of Watford and the causes. So many great causes that Luther has lended his time and his passion and his devotion to. And for him not to have even a sniff of a say or a presence at the club now is absolutely abominable. And again, all over the world in foot in sports, there are marquee players and legends who have served their club well, served their team well, adored by the fans, legendary players, and they've come back to have a position in the front office. I think of Magic Johnson. I think of uh, all the great players in, in the NBA who come back if they choose to and they're in a front office position or their owners or their people who are in front offices in other sports like baseball. Magic Johnson is a part of the group that owns the Dodgers, I think, in the Los Angeles Dodgers and baseball here in the United States in the major leagues of baseball. Major League Baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I think uh, at one point Magic Johnson was a part owner there. Matthew Johnson had a, 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 an interim, or had a, he was a head coach at the Lakers at one point. He had an interim head coach, I think he was a head coach there for a few, short time. He was also in the front office of the Lakers briefly as well. What about putting Luther Blissett in the front office of Watford? Matthew Johnson, one of the greatest NBA players who ever lived, and Luther Blissett, the greatest Watford player who has ever played. For the football club. No reason why he shouldn't be in the front office. It's the 21st century. We need more diverse voices. At Watford. Making decisions at Watford. And that should just be only the start of it. As far as I'm concerned. So the future of Watford. In the short term. The future of this football club. Involves a lot more rearranging of the deck chairs. Because right now. At this moment, you may as well call this the HMS Watford, and it is sinking faster than the Titanic itself. What is there to lose by adding perspectives, fresh perspectives at this club? Fresh voices, fresh visions, fresh visions, fresh ideas, fresh views, a fresh look, a fresh vision. And somebody that the fans can get behind as well in the boardroom. Because the fans and Scott Duxbury do not mix. The majority of Watford fans and Scott Duxbury are not on the same page. To me, there's no reason why Luther Blissett shouldn't be occupying that seat as chairman and CEO. He has earned that right. So the future of Watford FC in the short term needs to be one of substantial change. Because now this model that has got us far in the past and has worked in the past is now at least two or three years overdue for a change. It's at least three years past its sell by date. The 2019 year was the year to make these changes. At the end of that 6 0 walloping, we got against Manchester City in the FA Cup final. After that, during that offseason, that was the time to make these really big changes at the club. But the people in charge didn't do that. And as a result, the very next season, we went down. We went down. And yes, we did come back up last year, but you know what happened? We didn't consolidate. Like the team doesn't consolidate after they score goals. The board did not consolidate and strengthen this club on the pitch in the summer of 2021. And that was a mortal mistake because that really is the biggest reason why Watford are in the position they're in now. And the recruiting itself is a very large reason as well. Those two things... Are the big, big problem at this club. And now there needs to be stability and there needs to be consistency. And there needs to be a sense that when you come to Watford as a footballer, you want to come here not only because it's an excellent club, a family run, a family club that has been doing excellent things for years, but also because it respects the fans and it is a stable place to come to and thrive. But you can't come to Watford when managers are being fired every seven games. When youth players are not being advanced into the first team. When people are being sold routinely between two clubs. That is not going to give you the stability that you are needing to make this club a place that you'd want to come and play for several years. And that does have a deleterious effect on the team and on the players in it, because they know that the manager's going to be gone in another month. And so they're not going to put their effort out there, because they'll have another chance anyway when the next manager comes in. And you have to have a culture now at Watford, whereby the players at the club know, right, this is the man who's going to be here for at least three years. I'd better buckle down and knuckle up and knuckle in and do the work and put in a shift every week. That's what has to happen. The culture has to change, the attitudes have to change, and there needs to be less arrogance on the pitch and off it. That is what the short-term future should look like at Watford Football Club. You can follow on Twitter at uornswfc and also on Twitter at At WSC Hornets. That's WSC Hornets. On the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to it. It's the UOLNs WFC YouTube channel. And once again. Subscribe to this podcast. At Apple Podcasts. And for news and views and opinions. And there's several things I've written lately. About Watford Football Club. On and off the pitch. Visit youownswfce.wordpress.com there will be more on the Watford supporters collective again you can follow on twitter at wsc hornets lots more to come where that is concerned a lot of things to unveil and talk about thank you very much for listening to this episode of youowns and that will do it for this particular episode emerald green just isn't mean. That's it for now, and thank you very much for listening to You Horns. I'm Omar Moore, and until next time, you.